Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Always good to be able to worship with you and including opening God's word uh, when we do. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about uh, yesterday and actually the whole week leading up to yesterday. So we had uh, Frank's celebration service. Uh, I had a number of people who were not part of our church um, talk about you and how encouraged they were by our church and how we seem to love each other and care for each other, be there for each other and help. And I'd watched that all week as you guys came together and some of you spent hours and hours preparing and and that's not to mention all the times that that people have reached out and helped over the last number of years. So uh, I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud of you as a church family. And uh, it just reminds me of what God can do through us when we come together as a family and serve him in those ways. So thank you very, very much for being you. Much appreciated. So we started a sermon series two weeks ago uh, based out of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer or model prayer where it says, and you say it with me, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So right in the middle of this prayer, we are come face to face with the fact that we sin and need forgiveness and that others sin against us and need forgiveness. And that means we sin against other people as well and need forgiveness. And so we started talking about that. Two weeks ago, we saw how important forgiveness is. Forgiveness needs to happen because if we don't forgive, bitterness goes, gets into our soul. And when we are bitter, bitterness is a poison to our soul. It, slowly but surely corrupts and brings nothing but ugliness and death and, and then it's, it, it splashes out on the people around us and it's just a really bad thing. And so uh, God's way of dealing with this is for us to forgive and to gain forgiveness. Um, then last week we talked about how do we do that then? How do we forgive each other? And walk through that process. And, and remember one of the things we really want to understand is that we're, when we're talking about forgiving others, we are not talking about letting them off the hook for what they've done. Because they may very well have responsibilities. They certainly have responsibilities to God and, and they uh, may have responsibilities to other people and legal responsibilities. You aren't letting them off the hook for that stuff at all. They're still responsible. Law of sowing and reaping still applies. But in your heart, you have canceled the debt. They, they may owe those things, but you don't owe me. I'm not holding this over anymore. I'm letting it go. I'm sending that away. And the result is that we get free. Remember, we said that sometimes we, you know, we think we're letting someone else free. No, no, we're, we're getting free when we learn to forgive like this from our hearts. Don't have to be controlled by it anymore. So now, today we want to talk about what about when we're the ones who have sinned? When we're the ones who need the forgiveness and to, to seek the forgiveness, what do we do? How do we do that? Um, I mean, don't we all just know that, have that awareness of those times when we have done what we know is wrong? And we just know it, don't we? 
And, and we so desire forgiveness that we, we may have done something we shouldn't or didn't do something that we should or we did something in a way that we shouldn't or said something we shouldn't or didn't say what we should, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of ways we can sin. <laughs> and uh, we become very much aware of that and then we have the guilt and the shame and if we hang on to that stuff and so once again, God's way of dealing with that is not to let it hang there but to deal with it and receive his forgiveness. And we need forgiveness from each other. At least we need to pursue forgiveness with each other. Uh, so we're gonna talk about that. And then um, if we have time at the end, hopefully, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what do you do if someone thinks, feels like you have sinned against them and you don't feel like you've done anything wrong. You ever experienced that? Someone's really unhappy with you, but you don't feel like you really did anything wrong. And so how do we deal with that? And so, uh, the Lord willing, we'll get to that. Let's, let's open our Bibles now to the book of Psalms. We'll get right into it. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 51. It's, if you uh, don't have a Bible with you, pick up, up under the chairs there. We're going to be on pages 652 and 653 in that Bible. Psalm 51. Now, the background to this Psalm, <clears throat> King David and, and most of you know this, but some of you, you won't, so just let me take a little bit of time to explain it. King David, very, very famous, well-known king of Israel, uh, he wrote uh, the majority of the book of Psalms. Most of these Psalms are his prayers, his heartfelt expression to God about what was going on in life and, and his relationship with the Lord and, and relationship with people to some extent. Um, and so this book of Psalms is full of this. Well, Psalm 51, was written at a time when King David, who was most of the time a great man, a godly man, but he had a time in his life when he allowed his natural, his old nature, his sinful nature to govern his life. And rather than doing what he was supposed to do, he started making other choices. And uh, just to cut to the chase here, he ends up uh, as the king having a woman brought to him uh, Bathsheba, he commits adultery with her. Uh, she gets pregnant. Uh, David tries to cover that up. When his plans to cover that up don't work, he has her husband Uriah killed. And so, in effect, really a murderer, even though he didn't do it directly, he made sure that it happened. Uh, he sinned against his people because he had a responsibility, that God says, to be a righteous man if he's going to rule God's people. He who rules over men must be just, righteous. Um, and so God doesn't let David continue with this. I mean, David tries to hide it and cover it up, but God brings a prophet, Nathan, to him and reveals this openly. Here's what you've done, David. Here's what it means. Here's what it's causing. Here's what it's going to cause. And so David is drawn up short and confronted with his sin. And as we read the story, if we read the story, we would see that David humbled himself before God and, and, and uh, really responded right at that point, okay? And Psalm 51 is an expression of this. Psalm 51 is, is written in that context of, of what he felt, what he was thinking, what he was experiencing, what he was saying to God in response to these things. And so when we've sinned, this is a great place for us to, to go and look. So let me, let's read the whole thing here today. And then we're just gonna talk about just a, a few things from the, from the Psalm. But David says this, he says, have mercy upon me, O God, 
according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. And let me say to you, when he says that, he isn't saying his mother was sinning at the time when she conceived him. He's saying that all of us by nature are, are sinners from the point of conception. Once we come into being, we start as sinners. Verse six, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart these, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Father, thank you for your word and that you even include things like this when David had sinned so terribly. And yet we see you working in his life and the forgiveness and his responses. God, teach us today. Help us to understand our lives and where we're at and what needs to happen based on what your word says. We open our hearts to you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing I want you to see is this. Right there in verse number three, David says, for I acknowledge my transgressions. I acknowledge them. My sins ever for me, I see it, it's there. And but God, I acknowledge my sins to you. So the very first thing you gotta do, and, and before I give you the, the list, we've got six things we're gonna talk about uh, when it comes to approaching God about forgiveness. Um, these, it's not like a procedure that you have to follow that you know, it's gonna take a certain amount of time. It can happen like, just like that. But they, they, all these things are elements of our coming to God, okay? But we're gonna break them out and talk about them. So I acknowledge my transgressions. First thing, agree with God about your sin. Agree with him, okay? Very, very important. Now usually the word we, we think of when we are talking about this is the word confession. Confession. Now, depending on how you grew up, what your religious background was and how you think of this, this word confession might have different meanings to you, okay? 
Uh, we typically tend to think of the word confess as being wrapped up uh, in the idea of always connected with wrongdoing. Okay? Sin, confession, sin, confession. You might have been involved in religion where you went and thought that you had to confess your sins to somebody else other than God. And the uh, Bible doesn't teach us that. It tells us we go directly to God. But you, sometimes people have this idea that confession is always tied up with wrongdoing. And that isn't necessarily the case. Uh, some people, well, I'll say that in a minute. The word confess very literally means to agree with. To agree with. Uh, in our culture, if someone commits a crime and then they confess to the crime, what are they doing? They're agreeing, yes, I did that. That's what it means when they confess. I agree, I did that. Uh, in the Bible, the word confession, it talks about when we come to Christ, that, that um, it says, talking about confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. What are we doing? There's no wrongdoing there, is there? No, it's, it's an agreement. Jesus is who the Bible says he is. He is Lord. And so this is what this word confess means. Uh, and so we are agreeing with God about our sin. We're agreeing with God about the fact of it. We're agreeing with God about the seriousness of it. We're agreeing with God that we need to do something about it. And, and so this word confession, that's, you know, 1 John we have a famous verse, which we'll look at a little bit more in a minute. If we confess our sins, okay? So this is where we start, agreeing with God about him. But this whole idea of confession is, it's not just an intellectual thing, okay? It's a heart thing as well. And so <clears throat> this idea when we're acknowledging it's sin and we're, we're agreeing with God about it, that means that we got to do something about it. And the Bible word for that is the idea of repenting, turning away from. And so this idea of when I'm confessing and I'm agreeing with God about my sin, I'm agreeing I've got to turn away from it. Proverbs 28 uh, says this, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses, it doesn't stop there, confesses and what? What does it say? Forsakes them. Turning away from them. This is wrong. It doesn't belong in my life, God. I, I agree, and, I, and, and we've got to turn away from it. Now, anybody besides me ever committed a sin and said, oh, God, it's wrong. I've got to turn away from it. And then later, you do it again? You say, well, well you know, I confess that it doesn't belong. And then you end up at another point in time, you find yourself doing it again. And you start saying, well, what's the point of turning away because I'm going to come back to it? No, no, no. Each and every time, heartfelt, okay? And, and you're hoping you don't come back to it, and you want to grow and not come back to it, but you got to mean it. No, God, it does not belong in my life. I know it. I know I keep coming back to you, but God, I know I agree with you. It should not be a part of my life. I, I'm going a different direction. Heartfelt every time, okay? So we need to confess. We need to agree with God about our sin. Verse number four David says, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Anybody besides me read that and have any questions? He's saying here, I, I've only sinned against you, God. Didn't he sin against Bathsheba? Did he sin against her husband, Uriah? Did he sin against the people he was supposed to be leading in righteousness? Yeah. And yet he says, God, against you, you only have I sinned. And I think here's what we want to get, uh, get from this, and then I'll, I'll help you think through it a little bit. 
the second thing is this. You've got to understand that your biggest sin is against God. Your biggest sin in this situation is against God. David's biggest sin was against God. Terrible sin against Bathsheba. Terrible sin against Uriah. Terrible sin against the people that he was supposed to be leading in righteousness. Even more terrible, his rebellion against God. Okay? Now, um, have you ever, you know, watched a, a, a TV show, a crime? I, you know, I like those, those uh, courtroom shows and the law, because that's what I was studying before I became a, a pastor in law. I enjoy those things. But have you ever heard the term where they talk about, here's, here's what we're charging this person with, as well as all lesser included offenses? Ever heard that? Anybody? You guys awake out there? Okay, you've heard that. All right. So this idea of lesser included offenses, what it is in our legal system, the idea is that they're going to charge you with the biggest crime. And by the very nature of, if, if that is true, that means there were other crimes also committed that, that they've broken. Okay? Give you an example. And, and I asked in the first service, and they confirmed this, and I asked because we live in Massachusetts, but is cocaine still illegal? Yes. Okay. Right. And they said, they said the same thing in the first service, so I'm glad we're in agreement on that. So um, if someone has cocaine in their possession, that is a violation of the law. That's a crime. If someone has a lot of cocaine in their possession and it looks to them like, to the police, like they were going to sell this, that's a bigger crime. And so what they will charge the person with is um, drug possession with the intent to sell or with the intent to distribute, okay? And that's the big crime. The lesser included crime is just drug possession. They had cocaine in their possession. So... This is kind of the way I think of this God. He says, God against you and you only have I sinned. His sin against God, that's the big sin. The lesser included offenses where he sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and the people of God. And, okay? But he understood that his biggest sin was against God. And what we're going to see as soon as we deal with it with God, we immediately go deal with the people. Okay? All right. So, but your biggest sin is against God. I must make it right with you, God, or nothing else matters. I can't just fix it here. I've got to fix it here, or get it fixed, I should say. Verse 17. No, no, excuse me, verse 4b. Here we go, verse 4, the second part. He says that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so God says this is a sin. That's what we're agreeing with him about, right? God says this is sin. But you want to make sure you don't do this. Number three thing is do not lessen, excuse, justify, or rationalize your sin. Just admit it. I sinned against you, God. I have sinned. Well, what do we mean by this? Um, well, I think, <laughs> once again, our tendency is, oh, God, I've sinned against you. I, I know I've sinned against you, but, but you know what? It was so hard because she kept saying. What are we doing? Well, I, I got reasons why I did it. I'm not as bad as it seems. Well, I never would have done that, God, if you hadn't let this happen. Um, whatever, do you get the idea? We say, no, God, I've sinned. Are there reasons why you sin? Are there reasons? 
There's absolutely reasons. There's always a progression of thought or a chain of events and life experiences and how you've reacted. There's always reasons, but there are no excuses. There was nothing excuses us from it because every time when push comes to shove, we can make a choice, okay? And, and the reasons are important, the reasons why we sin, because when we're wanting, we've turned away and said, I don't want to go back there, we should look at the reasons. How did I get there? What, you know, led me to that place where I made this decision? And try to fix those things, but they don't excuse us. And so don't lessen it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't justify it. Own it. Okay? All right. The fourth thing, look at verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These of God you will not despise. And he talked to me, there's nothing I can do. There's no religious thing I can do that's going to fix this. But my, what I do is I've got to just bear my heart before you, God. And it's the idea of a brokenness, a broken heart. Um, I'll talk a little more about that later when we're talking about people, but... Isn't it ultimately a heart issue? There's thoughts involved, habits involved, sometimes choices involved, but it always boils down to a heart issue because if my heart is really right before God, I can and will make the right choices. And so I need to be broken harder before God about this. All right, now, we're agreeing with God about our sins, not pulling the punches. We, we understand that our biggest sin is against God. We're not justifying, rationalizing, we're brokenhearted over this. This is from the heart. What do you do next? Well, the fifth thing is this. Thank God for his forgiveness. You do not have to beg God to forgive you. He's the one who set up this whole thing that if you'll acknowledge your sin and, and, and just be real about it and understand you've sinned against him and, and this is heartfelt, he forgives and we're not talking about forgiveness in salvation, right? Forgiveness in salvation is that, that one-time thing that, that God puts to our account, the righteousness of Christ, and Jesus died for our sins. That's done. Remember, we're talking about from the very beginning, this idea of forgiveness of, in relationship, that there are obstacles in the way and, and we aren't free. So it's, it's that kind of forgiveness. But you don't have to keep Begging God forgiveness. Sometimes we feel guilty, don't we? We feel shame. We think we've got to keep begging, but what we have to do instead is start believing. God really has forgiven me for this. He really has. This is 1 John 1, 9, the whole verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and not only that, to what? Cleanse us. I can start again. I can go forward, not in bondage to this, not guilty, not shamed. So important. Let me talk to you about an issue that some of you struggle with. I know, I mean, I don't know you specifically. I mean, you, our church family, this happens. Some people will say, say yeah, I know God has forgiven me, but you know what, I, I, I just, I don't think I can ever forgive myself. Can't forgive myself for what's happened, you know. May the results of the sin, I just, just can't forgive myself. And I want you to think about this. Did Jesus die for that sin? Yes. I'm actually asking, you don't have to answer it loud, but did Jesus die for this thing that you say you can't forgive yourself for? He did. Did he pay it in full? 
He did. So that's not enough for you, right? It's really not enough for you? See, I think the idea is that for us to finally say, okay, I, I give it up and I accept the forgiveness, you're relinquishing control. You really are. You're saying, okay, I don't have control of this. You do it, and here's what you say. I, all I'm doing, throwing myself at your mercy. But if I say, no, I'm never gonna, I, I can't forgive myself for this. I'm going to control this. I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to make sure. And it's a trap. It's a lie. And then let me ask you a question, and, and I want to pinch you with this a little bit, okay? I want the Holy Spirit to pinch you. Do you really think that you know better than God what needs to happen? Do you see how that's what we're doing when we say I can't forgive myself, won't forgive myself? I know better than God. I know he says I can be free, you know, but no, I can't. Right, so we need to let that go. We need to accept his forgiveness. It is crucial. So thank God for his forgiveness. And then finally, Latin number six. This is a hard one. Humbly accept the consequences of your sin. They're consequences sometimes, aren't they? We already talked about that, right? When you forgive somebody else, does that remove the consequences of their sin for them? No, it doesn't, right? Well, guess what? When you're the one who sinned, you get forgiveness, but it doesn't necessarily remove the consequences of your sin. There may be ongoing consequences. Uh, you know, a relationship may be end, ending, and uh, all sorts of things can happen. You know, you might have to go to jail if you're really being open and honest about what's happened in your life. Um, but let me encourage you. I, I doubt that that's true for anybody here, but if it was true for you, and I've known men in this situation, you are much better off sitting in jail with a right relationship with God than you are walking around in the free world not right with God. And you can be in bondage walking around in the free world and you can be free sitting in a jail cell. Okay, so the idea is we need to humbly accept the consequence of our sin, whatever they may be. Uh, Charles Stanley was so good at this in his preaching because he would say, you just obey God and leave the consequences to him. He can take care of that stuff. All right, so we have God's forgiveness and, and we've responded rightly to it. What do we do now? Well, if we've sinned against somebody else, I mean, sometimes these sins are all, you know, hidden there, but, but some... Very often we've sinned against somebody else. And if that's the case, we have to go deal with it. Jesus uh, says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and this is in the day, remember, they would bring things to the sacrifice as part of their worship. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Now notice, this isn't necessarily saying you have something against them, but you know somebody else has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. How important does Jesus say it is to go try to make things right with your brother, sister, in Christ? It's right up there at the top of priorities, isn't it? Okay, so you've, you've come to God and dealt with this and now you've got to go uh, to the person or persons that you have sinned against. And, and so what do we do then? Well, really we follow the same kind of progression, thought progression, as we did with God, with just some, a few differences, because they're not God. Same thing. And so the first thing is this. Agree with the person about your sin. Agree with them. Look, here's, here's what I've done to you, you know. I know that I did this to you, and 
I know that I hurt you and it hurt you in this ways and it seems to me that it's, it's caused these hard things in your life and I, I sinned against you, I, I did. Um, and at this point you might wanna listen too. You might wanna say, is, is, have I hurt you in other ways that I don't know or I don't understand? And then if they bring it up, just agree with them about it, okay? All right, uh, second, acknowledge that your sin is not just against them, but also against God. And I think this is important because you say, yes, I have sinned against you, and, and, and I look, and I know it's, this is a terrible sin against God, too. Um, what you're communicating is that you are really serious about this. You're not here just trying to fix something. You're really genuinely acknowledging that what you have done wrong. It's not just wrong against you, it's wrong against God. Now the third thing, same one as before, do not lessen, excuse, justify, or rationalize your sin. Just admit it, I sinned against you. Because here's the way we, we do this, right? Hey, look, I, uh, I, I wanna confess to you, look, I know I sinned against you. When I, when I, when I yelled at you and said those terrible things about you, that, that was wrong. But you know, you were wrong too. Nah. They might have been wrong too. But who's that between? Them and God, first and foremost. If there's actually something you need to do with it, you deal with that at a totally separate time, unless they want to talk about it. Do you understand that? Because if you don't, what are you doing? I'm not that bad. It wasn't that bad. And really, it's your fault because of what happened. Um, or, you know, said, um, look, I was wrong, you know, I, I did this, it's so wrong, I know it was wrong, and, but you know, I really wouldn't have done it, I was just having a bad day, and everything worked against me, and all, what you keep communicating is, it just wasn't that bad, you know, and I had, had excuses, which you don't have. All right, so don't do that, it's just gonna work against you, just be straightforward, I did it, and it's wrong. Let me show you, the non-Christian world even understands this. Let me share something with you. This is in the USA Today this week. As I was reading it, there was a, an ad, uh, when a university had an event, uh, kind of like a banquet, um, and they had one of the students got up and speak, and this student made terribly crude jokes that were very offensive to anybody, really, but especially to the women in the audience. Uh, as it describes it here, com his comments were shocking and offensive, and based on what I, I know what they were, they, they were. It was wrong, sinful, okay? So one of the, the young women got up and, and walked out and sat down and wrote a letter to the editor, and, and of course in that, boom, made everything public, and so then they're trying to, to get this fixed. Well, the guy who spoke wrote kind of a generic email out to whoever, to maybe everybody connected, I don't know exactly to who, and he said this, he said, I would like to apologize if I made any people uncomfortable. That's not just owning, is it? That's a rationalization if I heard it. First of all, I would like to apologize. Don't like to, do it. When you're confessing to someone, you know, they don't say, I'd, I'd like to say I'm sorry. Well, that's nice, just say it. I'm sorry, right? You get it? Okay, um, and if I made you, like, you know, not if, here's what I did. And the, the, the young woman who, who was at the center of this says, are we seriously supposed to accept that as an apology? 
She's not coming from a Christian standpoint. It's just obvious, right? This isn't right. And so finally this guy sent an email directly to her. First of all, that's not a good idea. Don't do this by email. Okay? I'm not trying to make fun of this guy. I'm just saying this is, this is natural. This is the way people deal with stuff. But we aren't to live naturally. We're to live supernaturally. Amen. So he wrote her, but here's what he said. I'm sorry about how you felt last night. So, and she, so she says, he's sorry about how, how I felt, not about what he did, but about my response. He's sorry about my response. And, um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with him, in a sense, feeling sorry that she felt that way. But that needs to come as, I sinned against you. I did wrong, and I know it hurt you, and I'm so sorry that you felt hurt. You see what I mean? Okay, and so don't lessen. Just, you gotta be open. And by the way, this is hard for us because I don't wanna be wrong. You know what I mean? I don't wanna be perceived as a bad person. And really what needs to happen, see, we need to get the heart engaged here, don't we? And that's number four, let your, let your sin break your heart. Let your sin against this person break your heart. So... Um, as you well know, I'm married to my wife. I think it just comes out, my wife, Glenda. And, and for a lot of years, many years ago, for a lot of years, we would, we would get to these places and she would talk about how I was treating her, how I, you know, was acting with her and how it made her feel. And I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong here. What's the deal? I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And then all of a sudden, somehow or other, I don't know how it all happened, but God brought me to a point where all of a sudden one day I saw what she was saying and it just overwhelmed me and broke my heart. Because for years, I had, she had felt this hurt off and on along the way because of me. It broke my heart. And I went right to her and, you know, do what we're talking about here. Um, we need to care about each other, don't we? My sin hurts you, man. I should care that you are hurt. Let me see here. Oh, I, should, I'm, I left one thing out. Back on the idea of don't justify, rationalize. Another way we do this is we get real spiritual. And we say, look, I, I sinned against you in this way. I know it was wrong. And I want you to know that God has forgiven me. And shut up. <laughs> and by the way, I don't want to come across wrong with that because it is, isn't it good that God has forgiven us? Yes. yes. But if you want to try to use that to lessen or to manipulate this person, well, God's forgiven me. Uh, no, you know, I mean. All right. Finally, number five, number five. Ask for the person's forgiveness. Ask. Sometimes we don't want to get to that place. I apologize. I'm sorry. But really, we need to say, will you forgive me? Wow. But that brings it to a point of decision for everybody involved at that point. You're asking. You made the decision. Will you forgive me? And that other person needs to process the whole thing too. And you're giving them an opportunity to actually forgive you and to make that decision themselves. Now, 
Brings us to number six. Humbly accept the consequences of your sin. You're going to ask for forgiveness and the other person may not forgive you. They aren't in a place to forgive you. They, should they forgive you? Sure, but they may not forgive you. And so you've got to humbly accept that consequence. You can't say, what do you mean? I apologize to you. Why? you know, I mean, what have you just done? You've just revealed that you aren't really there yet. You know, this other person may listen to you and think, well, this is about the 20th time that we've gone through this. And so I, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. Or I can't trust you unless you and the conditions put in place or whatever, right? The idea is don't argue with it. Humbly accept the consequences. And, and what are we going to do? We're going to obey God and trust the consequences to him. We've got to obey God and do what we are supposed to do. It's really about genuinely being humble. All right, so I'm going to move real quickly through these next couple of things. Because these are the two biggies, the two big things, God and other people. What if you find yourself in that situation where someone is hurt? They're hurt by something you said or did or whatever, and you're thinking like, I don't remember that. Or you do remember and you say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. How do you deal with that? Well, you can't lie. I mean, you shouldn't lie. You can't say, oh, yeah, I did that if you really believe you didn't. That wouldn't be right either. Uh, but, you know, I see this in, in it goes like this. Someone in a, in a relationship, it could, often in a married couple, it could be other friends too, but something is said or done and someone gets offended. That, you hurt me. Why did you say that? And, and then the other person will go, what do you mean? I didn't do anything wrong. Well, yes, you did. You said this and this. Well, that's not wrong. Well, I'm hurt. I feel hurt. Well, you shouldn't feel hurt. Let me explain to you why you shouldn't feel hurt. Now, how profitable is this discussion? Has anybody besides me ever had one of those? My wife helped me to understand this one day. Because she said, let's imagine this. Imagine we're, you're doing some remodeling in the house. And there, you got some wood here. You got two befores and you need to, you want to move it over here. And so you pick up the two before and you swing around like this. And just as you do, someone happened to walk in, walking by and you right in the face. Oh man, does that hurt? You hurt me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right? I, I didn't know you were there. I was just moving the two before. Nothing wrong with moving the two before. It's, it's, you know, you shouldn't be, be hurt. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't it make much more sense to bang him? I am so sorry that what I did hurt you. And see, that's where we need to be in our relationships with each other. Stop worrying about defending ourselves. Stop worrying about making sure we look good. Here's the deal. You may find yourself in the situations where you don't agree about what happened, but when you don't agree about what's going on between you, value each other more than being seen as right. You're more important to me than this issue. 
I'm so sorry that what I did hurt you. I'm so sorry that what I said hurt you. If you didn't actually in your heart sin, you aren't saying I sinned, but you're being genuine. I am sorry. I really care. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish it hadn't hurt you. Okay? And this is a, a Jesus' example to us in Philippians 2. It says he made himself of no reputation. He stopped worrying about his reputation. Well, he never worried about it. He didn't worry about his reputation. He humbled himself. Uh, he humbled himself to the point of death. He took the hit. And then God took care of the exaltation, Right? See, and that's where you and I need to live. Finally, if you want to be forgiven, be forgiving. Jesus said, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Generally speaking, if you are a forgiving person, when you need to ask for forgiveness, it will probably be given. That make sense? If you're not a forgiver, don't expect it. But we're supposed to be forgivers. We are Christians. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and that you address these kinds of issues to us, Lord. We face these things day in and day out in our lives, sometimes big, sometimes not so big. But Father, I pray we would keep short accounts with you and just throw ourselves on your mercy, agree with you about our sin and, and let you work, do your work in our lives to restore us. And Lord, I pray that we would do the same with each other that when we sin against each other, we would just be quick to pursue making it right. And Father, in the middle of all that, as we have the struggles of uh, not always agreeing about these things, I pray we would value each other more than any of those other things. We would love each other the way you have loved us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before you go, uh, what time does the sermon start next week? 9.25. No, yeah, the sermon starts at 9.30 on, at, the, at the first service. If you're at this service, it starts promptly at 11, which means you need to be on the property at least five minutes early, right? So you can be in here by the time we start. All right, please do your best to do that. Thank you. You're dismissed.